Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The world is full of a number of things. I know we should all be as knowledgeable as, but are we? No, definitely no. Positively no. Decidedly no. Mm-mm. Green people have reusable faces, and red people have angry faces. Blue people have sad faces, and some people have no faces at all. And in the words of the immortal, cancelled creative, Ferdinand Joseph Lamont, as he begged to have more than just his influence allowed in Hollywood, on the screen and the stage, musicals give us our story gauge. You want to be in the no little one? Well, Chris and Kevin bring you plenty of fun. We'll go down rabbit holes, filling hearts with ideas for your soul. And fa la 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 la, and then we talk musicals. And fa la 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 la, and then we talk history. We hope our little podcast frees you from misery. Talking about musicals and history. Welcome, folks, to another edition, and this will be our final episode of the season for Talking Musical History, and this is Kevin, and, and I'm Chris, and welcome to Talking Musical History. It's always a, a pleasure to have you guys all join with us to learn more about musicals and history throughout time. And this time, we are looking at singing in the rain just singing in the rain this is the culmination of realizing how the sound industry sort of built up which is really what singing in the rain is about right that transition going from uh uh silent, uh, silent to pictures to talkie pictures right yeah yeah I think how first this has inspired us to take a look at like 42nd Street uh, and uh, the Gold jazz singers and the jazz singer and all these other films. Right? Yeah, I had never seen the jazz singer. I had never actually seen it completely ever. Wow. And yeah. I had never seen 42nd Street. Yeah, I've never actually seen the full 42nd Street either. Yep. So this gave us an opportunity to kind of delve back into some of the older movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we had a chance to explore with you folks the pre singing in the rain oh yeah definitely like uh uh, films that inspired that uh movie musical uh that we all love uh uh, gene kelly obviously the amazing star behind that that sort of like pushed it forward yeah yeah um talk about the origin of singing in the rain yeah definitely and uh, uh all the cool things connected to that made directly for the film but no intention 
for a stage adaptation of that time. Wait 30 years again, folks, for that. And taken as a collection of songs from various, so kind of like your first jukebox movie musical. Produced with lyrics combined from Arthur Freed, born Grossman, and yes, he was Jewish, worked uncredited on The Wizard of Oz, and sang with the Marx Brothers. Oh, really? Sang with the Marx Brothers? That's pretty cool. If you if you guys ever get a chance to like watch a Marx Brothers film, I would strongly suggest it. Uh, they have a very uh, clever and interesting ways of looking at reality. And he also helped bring up the director of this picture, Vincent Minnelli, who also worked and fell in love with Judy. So that's how we get Liza. <laughs> that's fun. Also helped the careers of Betty Comden, born Basia Cohen, as an actress, librettist, lyricist, and screenwriter who teamed up with Adolph Green as their writing partnership has been called the longest-running creative partnership in the theater history. Oh, that's pretty impressive. In addition to this, there was On the Town, 1944. Oh, wow. Million Dollar Baby, 1945. Wonderful Town. Peter Pan, 1954. Auntie Mame, and so much more. Comden and Green received the Kennedy Center honors in 1991. Another person who freed helped was that of composer-songwriter. Nacio Herb Brown was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1970. All of the songs from the movie were taken from other works. So, Singing in the Rain from Hollywood Review, 1929. Fit as a Fiddle and Ready for Love from College Coach, 1933. All I Do Is Dream of You from Sadie McKee, 1934. Make Em Laugh, originally titled Be a Clown in The Pirate by Cole Porter. Not Make Em Laugh. Make Em Laugh was not written by Cole Porter. Right. But Be a Clown was. Did you borrow someone's song? You know, I, I mean, and, and you know, we, we have no problems with borrowing people's songs. We borrow people's songs all the time for our show. As you can see. As you can see. Uh, Donald O'Connor needed a solo number, right? Like, uh, uh, make him laugh, right? So they wanted to have a special solo number. And so they, um, they kind of did steal it from uh, uh, Cole Porter. was performed originally by Judy Garland. And how Judy Garland got her name was actually by George Jessel, who we talked about in The Jazz Singer, who would have been the jazz singer before Al Jolson. The only two songs written for the movie, Moses Opposes, uh, right, was written by Roger Edens and Betty Camden and Adolph Green. Make Him Laugh was written by Arthur Freed and Nazio Herb, which you said especially for Donald O'Connor. But The Wedding of Painted Doll was from Broadway Melody, 1929. Should I, from Lord Byron of Broadway, 1930. Beautiful Girl from Stage Mother, 1933. And Going to Hollywood, 1933 as well. You Were Meant for Me, not the Jewel song, obviously. From Broadway Melody, 1929. And also the Hollywood Review of 1929. Good Morning, actually from Babes in Arms, 1939. Would You from San Francisco, 1936. 
Broadway Rhythm from Broadway Melody, 1936, and Babes in Arms as well. Broadway Melody, obviously from the same name in 1929. Finally, You Are My Lucky Star from Broadway Melody of 1936. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, uh, the best formula for making a musical is basically to uh, uh, borrow songs from other things yeah. and then in- incorporate them in your in your in your dig. I mean, like I I remember the mu- like doing the musical Crazy for You at the University of Miami, and uh, you know it works. It it, it works. Uh, if you have good pieces and you like uh, put the story together to make it fun, it, it can work. Yeah. Surprisingly, this great film was shot for a cost of $2.5 million, was basically ignored by film critics when it was released, and treated with indifference. It received only two Academy Award nominations, Best Supporting Actress, Gene Hagen, and Best Musical Score, Lenny Hayton, and didn't win any. The film's original score... Oscar nomination lost to Alfred Newman's score for With a Song in My Heart that I've never heard of. That is what won the Oscar for that year instead of Singing in the Rain. Wait, hold on. Are you saying that the 1952 yes, film... what we just started song, to watch. With a song... Wow. Wow. Um, that's so interesting. Because mm-hmm. like uh, um, you think about like the longevity of both of those films. With a song in my heart, we watched a few minutes of it, and we heard that lovely rendition by Ella Fitzgerald. If you have Apple Music or Spotify, I would definitely check out "With a Song in My Heart" by Ella Fitzgerald. But uh, um, you know, I I don't know the the movie is on YouTube. If you want to see "With a Song in My Heart," the Jane Froman story, it's there. It's, it's a musical. It's a thing. It was done. Yeah. Yeah. And it won best. So how bad could it be? Yeah. How bad could it be? It beat out singing, singing in, in the, the rain, rain in 1952. You know, once again, I'm, I think about like do the right thing versus uh, uh, driving Miss Daisy. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes there's like some other thing that they're trying to. Sing. Yeah, totally. I don't know what it is. And sometimes Hollywood does the safe thing. Lena Lamont's character was based on mostly off of John Gilbert, a silent film star, whose voice did not match the image MGM looked for, and, interesting fact, was left at the altar by Greta Garbo. He started drinking himself to death, and there is a movie where he's portrayed by Barry Bostwick. Grauman's Chinese Theater was... Founded in 1927, when Sid Grauman opens a second theater. Gene Kelly, after performing the iconic Singing in the Rain scene, was soaked through his wool suit and running a high 103-degree fever. Yeah, he. Uh, um, so a lot of people think that uh, a like they used uh, uh, milk in the rain. They didn't do that, but uh, um, like uh, he had to film a lot. He got sick. Um, he still performed. Um, uh, people actually say that Moses supposes was the hardest scene, but I wonder if Gene actually uh, thinks that singing in the rain probably in his head. He uh, allegedly was difficult to work with. Yeah. Um, that being said, people still chose to work with him, so he must have been doing something right. Due to the frustration with Debbie Reynolds actually being 
not as much of a seasoned, quote well, she unquote. She was a gymnast. Actor and, um, and dancer. She was a trained gymnast. gymnast. Yeah. So she did have a lot of abilities because, you know, you have to do performative, like, movements, especially for the floor work. So, like, you know, it, it, it makes sense to me that she would be able to, like, you know, achieve some of those things. Um, and she has a really cool story about, like, around her that we'll get to a little bit later as well. And due to for the frustration of that, Gene Kelly took out his frustration on Donald O'Connor during during film. Yeah, well, she was just a teenager, and he kind of felt bad. And honestly, like, you know, when we delve deeper into Gene's sort of history, I think he knows oh, yeah. that he's too hard on teenage women in the dance realm. Yeah. It seems to be a consistent thing that happened. Which is why he had his friend and legend, Fred Astaire, come in to help work with Debbie Reynolds. And it was reported that she worked so hard her feet were bleeding. Yes, that is the truth. Um, she said that, like, uh, uh, like there's nothing sort of harder. There's two things harder in life, uh, and that's, like, uh, uh, singing in the rain like uh, and... Uh, 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 childbirth. So yeah. uh, the birth of Princess Leia was as difficult as uh, the birth of Singing in the Rain for uh, for Debbie Reynolds. The Force was strong with her. Yeah. Those of you that don't know, Carrie Fisher, who played Princess Leia in the Star Wars films, is Debbie Reynolds' daughter. Yes. Isn't that crazy? And there's a movie that is about their life that is brilliant called postcards from the edge. I would have called it a Fisher tale, but Debbie, Debbie wouldn't have liked that. She would have had to be first billing. Ooh, Debbie's little Fisher. <laughs> In the opening montage as Gene Kelly's character is explaining the origin story of him. Right. And Donald O'Connor there that we compared to kind of ginger Rogers. Yeah. In her life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They start to entertain in the industry flashback pool room and sneaking into theaters. And there's a reference the dangers of Drusilla is a King Kong ripoff. Was it a tall woman? Oh, I see. I forgot about that. Yeah, because it's a picture of a tall woman, like sort of going through the forest. And she's like, yeah, that's clever, I guess. No, it is. It's yeah. Funny. And then they made up the star that was also referenced in there, Esma Gray, who's no one that I could find throughout history. I mean, sometimes they just like throw in a name like uh, 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 um, from the Make It Laugh song. The uh, What's his name? Samuel J. Snodgrass. Yeah. Yes, Samuel J. Snodgrass. Uh, it's, uh, it's really kind of funny because like, you know, you would think that they would like come up with some sort of like funny connection thing that might be like really like, oh, people would look it up. But it was just, you know, whatever. It's what, a made up name. It's a made up name. But it's funny sounding, which is important. R.F. Simpson is just a completely made up name. Sounds like a fake made up executive. And the other ones that were made up were Death Rides the Prairie. That, that actually sounds like it would be a fun uh, Western Western horror film. Mm -hmm. Death with a scythe on a, on on a, a horse. On a, yeah. <laughs> on a skeleton horse, too. <gasps> yeah. Mm -hmm. And and like the village people like close the doors and everything like when like he rides in mm -hmm. death is coming to several different places like Dead Man's Fang Arizona Oatmeal Nebraska 
Coyote, New Mexico. I, I, I thank goodness for, for fake places because it allows us to talk about a reality that, that we're not wholly ready to understand. Monumental Pictures, combination of Paramount, founded in 1912, and Universal, it was founded in the same year. A few months, like one was, uh, Paramount was founded in May 8th. And Universal founded April 30th. I'm thinking that since Singing in the Rain starts at 1927, right? That's when we start it. Because of all of the reshoots and sort of the reconfiguring uh, of the film to make it a good project, probably didn't get it out until like everyone was pretty much doing talkies already. I would assume it would be a two-year process. The Royal Rascal was patterned after the Three Musketeers, specifically the film in 1948 with Gene Kelly. The jazz singer is referenced in the film right before Ethel Barrymore is referenced as Gene Kelly recognizes Debbie Reynolds. And that leads us to a little detour that we made in our reference about people jumping out of cakes. So, yeah, we uh, uh, we looked up because, like, you, you know, you think to yourself, like, what? How easy is it to get? Like, do people still jump out of cakes? Yes. So <laughs> I researched it with a service from Scarlet Entertainment out of Las Vegas. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It sounds like it is, but it's not that bad. No, the woman was very nice. There, There's not very many of these in the country still. So there's like... There's that one in Las Vegas, and there's probably a few. There's probably one in L.A., I would think. It's a wooden cake. Someone pops out, and they start at around... So this is an entertainer. They are usually the backgrounds of dancers, models, or singers. And starting out at $3,500. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's some money. For just the cake... And then to set up would add an additional three fifty for delivery. Pop up person would be an additional fifteen hundred dollars for a B or C list person. Oh wow, that's not bad. It would be seventy five thousand to around a hundred thousand dollars so i could get rob schneider to jump out of a cake if he agrees to it <laughs> sure i think that would be funny <laughs> yeah and um however the woman was very clear with me the dancers would not dance and then that was interesting i'm like okay so they just Dude, literally their job about, is to pop out of dancing or is she talking about dancing I believe any kind of choreographed material. Oh, so not even like all I do the whole night do is think of you. I, I, I think, no. <laughs> so, so that wouldn't even be possible. Correct. Oh, come on! That's the whole point. My my life's goal to like live all of the movie uh, musical realities is is just now dashed. Uh, and what was that name of the business again? Scarlet Entertainment. Oh. If you're uh, interested in like uh, having. Uh, cake popping out fun in, in the Vegas area in the Las Vegas yeah then uh uh you know uh live that life and uh go visit their website
one thing that like uh, strikes me about singing in the rain um, is the sort of like uh, uh, loss of voice that happens uh, in it. Right. You have this very like talented actress, singer, dancer that's sort of represented by Kathy Selden, super interested in like approaching a, a really successful and also awesome career. And then she has Lena Lamont basically like being a gatekeeper for her own career. She doesn't care about Don Lockwood, and yet she's getting in the way. She doesn't care about uh, um, Kathy Selden, but she's getting in uh, uh, her way. Like, Lena Lamont basically steals Kathy's voice and uses it to get more rich and powerful. (laughs) I was thinking it'd be really interesting instead. Like, if I were to do Singing in the Rain, like, I think it would be... Uh, um, really interesting to have Kathy Selden played by a uh, African American person, yeah. uh, specifically because like more of a sort of a thing like when like Don Lockwood like crashes into the car and like you know uh, uh, the 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 cop is like hey that's a, a really famous guy Don Lockwood Do you, like what's 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 wrong with you mm-hmm. and and like you know that that I feel like that would still that would still hold true. Like the, a black woman's voice taken by this white woman, um, I think that's uh, uh, would be an interesting choice too, and and be a lot of fun. I think because that's what happened throughout history, anyways. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then and then it like sort of like creates a little bit more of a like like Don Lockwood is like I don't care about Lena Lamont, but she's like like I am told that I should gravitate towards her instead of towards Kathy. And now, to honor our titular name of today's podcast, the Talking Musical History Podcast players bring you... Whose Line Is It Anyway? A man who refuses to wear a mask as he goes to his first Broadway show since before the pandemic. The rules of the game are simple. We must respond to each other with song titles or melody-inspired responses from our recent triptych, The Jazz Singer, 42nd Street, or Singing in the Rain. Kevin will play the defiant patron who refuses to wear a mask. And I will play the humble box office manager. Good morning, good morning. Wanna see a Broadway show? Hello again, hello. I'd like to see a show. To hear the beat of dancing feet. You have to wear a mask to see the elite, 42nd Street. But I'm fit as a fiddle who needs a face glove. I can jump over the rules set above. I've got a feeling you're fooling. I've got a feeling it's make-believe. Every time I wear a mask, I'm shamed by our America. Well, Moses supposes it's COVID. It's not morbid, but Moses supposes it's erroneously. I'm amazed and confused. I've been dazed. Shuffle off the buffer. Shuffle off the buffer. Shuffle off the buffalo. I've got some money. My bribes turn sunny. Oh, baby, what I couldn't do with plenty of money from you. In spite of the worry that no mass spring, just a little filthy lucre buys a lot of things. You are my lucky star. You've opened Broadway's portals here on Earth for this poor mortal.
job, Kevin. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I've been doing improv since I was five years old. Lies. Well, that certainly fits the title of our program, Singing in the Rain. Whose voice is it anyway? So, like with some other things we talked about, waiting 30 years can sometimes be magic. It's a kind of magic. <laughs> Singing in the Rain. It opened in 1983 at London Palladium and ran for a little over two years. Well, that's um, okay. And yeah. it, it's put on in different places. And I watched a, uh, a production of it online on YouTube. Um, it was okay. The rain on the stage. The stage downpour is so noisy and poses a threat and poses a such a danger of a microphone short circuited. So the rain is 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 kind of tough to do on stage. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes. Um, I uh, um did a show, uh, the Grapes of Wrath, at the University of Miami Jerry Herman Ring Theater, and uh, we had to like have you you have to have like a, a receiving sort of pool to like collect the water, and then you have to have like uh, basically you know like a system of like sort of canals or, or whatnot so the water can go somewhere because you, you, you you know, water plus electrics is generally bad. Not, not a good not idea. Not a good idea, right. Yeah. So um, it's really important for you to, like, have a really good system in order for it to work, and that's why you don't see too many things like that. But, I mean, like, modern with modern technology, you can do all sorts of things. Yeah. Well, the musical did win a Laurence Olivier Award. That's very cool. In 2001 for Best Musical Revival. After this message, we'll be right back. things happened in uh, 1952 other than you know uh, singing in the rain uh, Queen Elizabeth II is proclaimed is proclaimed Queen of the United Kingdom with Coronation Day the United States entered in a peace treaty with Japan Alan Turing the man who invented the computer folks pled guilty for gross indecency because this was pre don't ask don't tell even this was like oh you're queer we will fix you oh no and then he ended up dying it's in the movie the imitation game and frank's diary was also translated into english uh the u.s supreme court limits the power for the president to seize private businesses after president harry truman nationalizes all the steel mills because of a, a strike. Puerto Rico becomes a self-governing Commonwealth of the U.S. the day before First Lady Ava Perón dies of cancer at age 33. The first successful sex reassignment surgery or gender confirmation surgery Woot. performed in Copenhagen, giving birth to Christine Jorgensen. 
That's awesome. Those are a transgender trailblazer. Agatha Christie's murder mystery play, The Mousetrap, opens at the Ambassador's Theater in London. Uh, President-elect Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, uh, fulfilled his campaign promise, and he traveled to Korea to find out what could be done about the conflict. So this is when America starts uh, getting involved more with that. Um, so, you know, uh, the 1952 was a, a crazy time. Yeah, crazy enough to bring... Some crazy voice actor like Billy West into the earth. One of the craziest, awesome voice actors. And famed director Robert Zemeckis. Oh, wow. Robert Zemeckis. And Superman himself. Christopher Reeve. I find it interesting, like, like trying to think of the world of the film and what it exists in time of the the film realm that it is in. The movie is set in 1927. This is like right before the stock market crashes. Mm -hmm. 1929, yeah. Right, exactly. And there's like a bit of anxiety going on. I'm not sure what the reluctance was to push to sound because they like, you know, they say that uh, sound helped save the film industry don't want to see films because they want to tighten their budgets but then all of a sudden it's like oh wait look at all these cool things that are happening now can't really tighten our budgets maybe we have to do other things cosmo says uh you know yeah that's what they said about the horseless carriage in reference to like you know hey you know the the car is here to stay it's gonna happen with talking pictures as well well it's the one guy in blackface that doubts it so uh, producers of silent films, which were currently in production or which had recently been completed but not released, hastened to add or retrofit silent uh, dialogue sequences so their films could be advertised as talking pictures, right? So they're like legitimately like what happened in Singing in the Rain did happen in Hollywood to an extent. Donald O'Connor, uh, he, was, he was smoking four packs a day during the show. I guess they uh, um, didn't check the aperture for the camera and uh, they had an overexposed, uh, like uh, uh, it happened and like he really hurt his body because of the cement floor. He comes back and they're all like, like applauding him and then they're like, you know, hey, do it, do it again. Do it again. And that sucks. But he did it, yeah. right? And it's beautiful. Yeah. Right? And, and I'm sure he died with crippling arthritis. The, the pain. I don't know why they didn't put mats down. I mean, it looked like concrete so he could do it easier. There's no, there's no tap in the song, is there? He, he doesn't really like tap dance and make him laugh. He's on that hard cement surface. What, what, what were you saying when we were watching it? You said that... Uh, I was feeling like I was getting arthritis just watching it. Yeah, 100%. And like uh, he... He he's, he talks about how you know he got carpet burn from like doing the spin on the carpet and all that, and he talks about how like uh, um, the hearts men dancing on that like really like hurt his joints and all all that and like you know uh, it must have been really hard for him to like go back and like re-engage with that experience, yeah. but like uh, you know a true professional does it anyway. You must. <laughs> the show must go on. Dignity. He was doing all that, and he was, like, you know, trying to scale walls and make them laugh and, like, you know, dancing on cement. Like, you know, he 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 definitely put his body through a lot of uh, uh, scrapes, bruises, 
carpet burns. And being mistaken for Danny Kay. That was our bad for Hans Christian Andersen. Definitely, uh, um, I, they kind of look alike. They really, they do look alike. I know they're not. Like, however, the, when you Google or like when you look up and YouTube, Danny Kay. Sometimes other people make the mistake too, so I don't feel right. Like we are, we are not the we are not I the only people. person yeah, to people. confuse not the only people. Yeah. Donald O'Connor with Danny Kay. They are two very different people. Very different people. That we we mentioned we mentioned uh, the the Hayes Code before. There was a major violation, code violation, code violation. Yeah, there's a major violation that they actually had to cut um, in the film. It was a steamy vamp dance, right? A uh, segment of the Broadway Melody Ballet with uh, Sid Charisse and Gene Kelly. And the reviewers from both the Production Code and the Catholic Church Legion of Decency objected to a brief suggestive pose or moment between the dancers. Also, Gene Kelly choreographed his dance scene with uh, Sid Charisse to hide the fact that she was taller uh, than he was. So that's why they do all that leaning stuff in, in the, the dance. And on the steps, too. Right? <laughs> that's so silly. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, like, it still looks good. It doesn't look like he's doing it for that reason. Do you think that? No. So that's positive. He made it work. What didn't work was Gene Kelly being in Guys and Dolls, though? Yeah, he totally should have been in Guys and Dolls, right? So we were like uh, 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 sort of, you know, splunking down our rabbit holes like we tend to do. And we uh, found that it, like, Gene Kelly really, really, really wanted to be in Guys and Dolls. Sky Masterson, Gene Kelly against Frank Sinatra as uh, Nathan, Nathan Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, it's a brilliant choice, mm-hmm. right? Much and- better than Brando. I mean, you know, Brando tried. He gave it his effort. He did. He did. He is an actor. Um, and actually, people said he was like even more unbearable because he couldn't get out of his contract so he could begin working on uh, um, uh, Guys and Dolls, which he so desperately wanted to and knew that he was perfect for. I did want to point out that Beautiful Girls does not mention redheads or people of color in the song. And she's only uh, and she's only sweet sixteen. Oh man, sounds uh, kind of creepy old guy. Creepy old guy. In Singing Rain, they do a really good job of explaining the motion picture dubbing uh, sequence of events uh, in motion picture filmmaking. Like they legitimately at times were like, "Yeah, I don't really like this actor's uh, actor's or actress's voice. I I really would rather have this kind of style of voice." Yeah. and they really. Like James Earl Jones and Darth Vader. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of times it just comes down to like, oh, this voice has more gravitas, this voice sounds more classical, whatever the thing is. Almost all movie musicals are done to uh, uh, are done through what is called playback. Uh, exceptions would be uh, Tom Hooper's Les Miserables, uh, you know, where they like are forcing them to... Sing live. Sing live, which... I get the interest in that. You can find like a whole bunch of really uh, uh, cool videos about like voice dubs, uh, lost vocals on YouTube. It's a great resource for that if you're interested. So the show's process of playback and dubbing for the 
the song Would You, right, goes through a bunch of different steps, right? The step one process, pre-recording. Step two, practice and record. Step three, playback on set. Step four, the final mix. So in the pre-recording step, they, you know, sit down and they're singing with uh, Debbie Reynolds' character, Would You, Would You? Um, And then they go and uh, uh, go with Lena Lamont, right? And she's uh, um, practicing how it sounds. So she's able to, she's going to recreate the facial movements in order to make it look like she's the one singing. Goes to the next step, which is playback on set. And they're on set doing the actual recording of the thing where you're lip syncing and making it all work and come together. Reset up the mix, make that sound sweet and cool. Mix those two things together. And then you have movie magic. Like since Melier's movies are about magic, the ones that do really well, the ones that compel people and excite people, they're magical. So they can't just be like, you know, they have to be special and cool. And part of the special and cool part of this world is the chemistry with the cast. So Gene Kelly is obviously Don Lockwood, and he just came off of... An American in Paris. So uh, Eugene, uh, like Gene Kelly or Eugene Caron Kelly, uh, who like, you know, plays Don Lockwood, born on August 23rd, 1912 in Pittsburgh. You know, he um, actually was enrolled by force in dance classes at the age of eight. Actually, he wanted to play baseball for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Gene Kelly's family opened a dance studio in Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh in 1932 that was later renamed the Gene Kelly Studio of Dance. And he would teach there while attending school. He graduated from the University of Pittsburgh, go Panthers, in 1933 with a bachelor's in economics. Kelly was admitted to the University of Pittsburgh Law School, but Kelly's gotta dance. So Gene dropped out of law school after two months to continue his life's work. Dance. Gotta dance. Legal school dropout. Tired of hitting the books. Go back to dancing, the ladies will give you nice looks. You once said you were disenchanted, your girl dropout rate was very high. They probably left because you're that kind of guy. And of course, Gene was a perfectionist. But even O'Connor said about working on Singing in the Rain that for the first several weeks, he was terrified of making a mistake and being yelled at by Gene. It was no wonder he could not keep a female student past 16. Val Johnson, uh, who also appeared with Kelly in uh, Pal Joey at the Ethel Barrymore Theater in 1940, recalled, I watched him rehearsing, and it seemed to me that there was no possible room for improvement, and yet he wasn't satisfied. It was midnight, and he had been rehearsing since 8 in the morning. I was making my way sleepily down the long flight of stairs when I heard staccato steps coming from the stage. I could see a lamp burning. Under it, a figure was dancing. It was Gene. He's a workhorse, and he's a perfectionist, and he, like, builds amazing art. And his first actual big breakthrough, uh, Roger and Hart's pal Joey. Gene Kelly came to Hollywood in 1942. And he was just at the right place at the right time. He later stated that he was angry that MGM had repeatedly prevented him from accepting lead roles in other films, such as Guys and Dolls, 1955. 
Kelly's extremely hostile attitude throughout the filming of Singing in the Rain 1952 resulted in MGM's finally releasing him from his contract. And that leads us to the leading lady, Debbie Reynolds. Kathy Seldon. Oh, yeah. And Debbie Reynolds is an amazing woman. And not just because she gave birth to Princess Leia. And not just because she gave birth to the American horror scream queen, uh, Billy Lord. Right? So she is the mother of uh, um, Carrie Fisher, right? Uh, born in 1956, right? Princess Leia. And she is also the grandmother of Billy Lord from American Horror Story and the Scream Queen series. I, she does, I think she does a really good job. Like, A, oh, trying to keep oh up God. with all yes. of them, and B, just like really. <laughs> really just like showing off like how how she can keep up on the, uh, how she can just perform on the same level as uh donald and gene yeah and and debbie reynolds is just amazing i i loved pretty much every movie i've seen her in including like in her later years when she was in mother she played the mother too in in and out with kevin klein and i just that was just brilliant acting on her part too that's fun also like a um yeah definitely uh in and out yeah yeah i, I love that film we mentioned that debbie was a gymnast and if you guys mm-hmm. really want to see her like do some tumbling i showed this to kevin I yeah thought, you thought it was cute i thought it was very cute yeah uh, and it would be the only time you would ever see like a uh, football done in a style that looks like a musical musical yeah yeah uh and if you're interested in that please visit it on youtube but uh the musical from 1953 i love melvin with donald o'connor yeah. so one team looks oddly like the university of michigan and another team looks oddly like ohio, ohio state. state and we mentioned debbie was 19 and she actually lived a, a distance away with her parents so she had to commute to uh be a part of the show so she would wake up at 4 a.m and ride three different buses to go wow. to the studio. Dedication. Sometimes to avoid the commute, she would just like sleep at the set. I do have to give kudos to Kelly because he did express remorse about the behavior that he had with uh, Debbie. And he, you know, he said basically, I wasn't nice to Debbie. It's a wonder that she still speaks to me. So Donald O'Connor was Cosmo Brown. Donald O'Connor was also in... What Chris mentioned earlier, I Love Melvin, also with Debbie Reynolds. At the same time, it looks like he was also in Irving Berlin's Call Me Madam with Ethel Merman and Vera Ellen, along with George Sanders. And before that, he was in Are You With It? Oh, was, was he with it? In 1948, he was definitely with it as Milton Haskin. Just like Gene, he gotta dance. Gene Hagen as Lena Lamont, fresh from her role in The Asphalt Jungle. And one of the people who are not credited, but I like to bring up, is Mage Blake as Dora Bailey, a Hollywood gossip columnist based on Luella Parsons. For those of you who used to watch the old Batman series with Burt Ward and Adam West, you may remember her as Aunt Harriet. And talks about, in terms of dubbing, Betty Noyes was the singing voice of Debbie Reynolds on the song Would You and You Are My Lucky Star. They had, uh, um, like, Debbie 
dubbing someone that was dubbed by someone else, Debbie's character is dubbing, Debbie's character is Kathy, is dubbing for Lena Lamont, right? And, but in the, in the actual movie, uh, for the movie, The Singing Cavalier, Lena Lamont's character is actually doing the voice for Debbie, doing the voice dub for her. Like Inception. (laughs) (laughs) Vocal Inception. (laughs) And in Singing in the Rain is a very young Rita Moreno, who is Zelda Zanders in her fourth movie appearance. So now we have some references. So there was Shaw, George Bernard Shaw, Irish playwright, critic, political activist of most work, famous for Pygmalion, equals My Fair Lady, leading dramatist of his generation, and in 1925 was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature. In 1938, he provided the screenplay for the filmed version of Pygmalion, for which he received an Academy Award. Shaw's expressed views were often contentious. He promoted eugenics and alphabet reform, and opposed vaccination and organized religion. So it was kind of all over the place. Moliere, his real name is Jean-Baptiste Poquin, a French playwright, actor, and poet, widely regarded as one of the greatest writers in the French language and world literature, combining Commedia dell'arte elements with more refined French comedy to come up with comedies, farces, tragic comedies, comedy ballets, and more. Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, the Bard of Stratford and Avon. I think, I think they know about uh, the Shakespeare because they know about the Romeo and, and Juliet. Juliet. Ibsen, Henrik Johan Ibsen, Norwegian playwright and theater director, as one of the founding members of modernism in theater. Ibsen is often referred to as the father of realism and one of the most influential playwrights of his time to mid to late 19th century. Some notable works include A Doll's House, Had a Gobbler, Ghosts, When We Dead Awaken, and The Master Builder. He influenced other playwrights and novelists such as George Bernard Shaw, Oscar Wilde, Arthur Miller, James Joyce, and Eugene O'Neill. Gettysburg Address, written by Abraham Lincoln, November 19th, 1863, four score and seven years ago. Ethel Barrymore, second child of actors Maurice Barrymore, whose real name is Herbert Blythe, and Georgiana Drew. Her acting career spanned six decades and was regarded as the first lady of the American theater. She was the sister of actors John and Lionel Barrymore, the aunt of actor John Drew Barrymore, and the great aunt of Drew Barrymore. Reedy is laugh in Italian. Pagliacci is clown in Italian. Name of an opera in 1892. And Monkey Shines. When I first heard this term, I thought of... uh, Completely wrong, but my brain is is weird. Actual monkeys shining shoes. I know, you're you're thinking about like literal like Simpsons monkeys. Yes. Like, 
like the little the monkey from the Simpsons, like you know that <laughs> yeah. I I know like I I know what you're talking about. Um, I, I, I see what you're, I, I understand where your brain went. Like the, the monkey that wrote the best of times, the blurst of times gets fired from writing and gets put into shoe shine business. <laughs> That's what I think of. It, it means acting up, but has racist roots. It first appeared in 1828 in the minstrel song, Jump Jim Crow. I cut so many monkey shines, I dance da galopade. Rin Tin Tin, rescued from a World War I battlefield by an American soldier, Lee Duncan, who nicknamed him Rinty. Duncan trained Rin Tin Tin and obtained silent film work, then went on to appear in 27 Hollywood films, gaining worldwide fame. And then we have a review from Bosley Crowther, March 28th, 1952, in the New York Times. Under the protocol of Hollywood, this is less majesty. However, the pattern of the picture is such that a lot of room is made for singing and dancing in the liveliest Kelly Come All style. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> i object <laughs> but i agree also. In, it is in these elegant phases that the spirit is lightest and most gay i i have had a, a, a particular super connection with the film because it connects to my my birthday so yeah. like uh the song good morning that debbie reynolds actually gets to sing in she like that song actually takes place on March 24th, which is the day after my birthday. So good morning. Good morning, Chris. It's your birthday. It's a it's a it's a fun musical that could probably have more black people. Definitely. Like, that's another thing that I've noticed specifically, like all the films that it is based on has more black people in that than that film does. Yeah in all the films that would have happened in the real world at the time of the film's fictitious exhibition and sort of production, these films that were, that actually had diversity, if you could call it that, like, I'm really sad that that singing in the rain being produced in 1950s, you know, like doesn't try to be more diverse. I did want to point out that Neil Diamond has an untitled musical, hopefully not the jazz singer on Broadway, but uh, it is coming out to Broadway. Uh, The score is said to feature many Diamond classics, including Sweet Caroline, I Am, I Said, Forever in Blue Jeans, uh, Song Sung Blue, America, and more. According to the report, the story of the show will chronicle Diamond's success in the music industry as well as issues in his personal life. Probably about the jazz singer. Uh, Probably the guilt of being in blackface, right? Uh, The feature book was written by Academy Award-nominated dramatist Anthony McCartan. The musical will be directed by Tony Award winner Michael Mayer. And that's all from BroadwayWorld.com. I think I heard something about it on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Oh, okay, cool. He's a celebrity enough of a status of a performer that you would get 
a musical like that. Oh no, no, it's gonna it it it'll more than likely be a hit despite how we feel about him. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's the Share Show. I mean, that's like a totally different animal, Kevin. That's a totally wonderfully probably it'll probably be fun. I mean, Share is so much fun. I I'm not saying anything bad about the Share Show. I'm just saying there's the Share Show, and there's the Carol King one, oh, okay. and. There, yeah. So there, this is not unusual. This is just the latest of Tina Turner. Speaking of rain, we would be remiss if we didn't mention all the crazy weather we've been having lately because of our climate change scenario. Uh, so early in uh, July of 2021 in Japan, several days of torrential rain caused a mudslide that swept across a seaside city around 60 miles southwest of Tokyo, sweeping away 130 homes and killing at least 12 with 16 still missing. And in Europe, at least 183 lives were lost in Germany and Belgium. Hundreds of people are still missing, and the grim expectation is that many of them have not survived. And you can see more of these devastating images uh, in the New York Times in an article written by Ian Austin. Uh, uh, really, it's, it's, it's insane. Buckle up, folks. The weather is getting crazy. Ice storms. Fire needles. Thunder snow. Honestly, they sound like powers on a Saturday morning cartoon or a two-person fighter game. Our new normal is scary, and we need to shift direction to maintain and preserve our home. We need to vote with our dollars and our time, not just our ballot. And that is how we will shape our planet into something more sustainable for our great-grandchildren. Woo! We made it to the end of the first season. Thank you all for being a part of it. Uh, And uh, we're, I think, mostly done with the panned well no okay well we'll hold off on that yeah Uh, we're 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 pushing forward to getting people vaccinated and getting back to better health in this country we're on the right track i feel i feel like getting in the right track yes there's definitely forward movement yeah yeah and initially we wanted to complete our set of musicals inspired by the advent of sound with gregory hines amazing show jelly's last jam and talk about the creator of jazz music, Ferdinand Joseph Lamont, a.k.a. Jelly Roll Morton. And we will definitely get to that show, believe it. Because Kevin definitely needs to see that, but unfortunately, we're going to have to go to New York City Library to try and even view what seems to be the only copy that is available of Jelly's Last Jam. So we will circle back because we have pressing things to talk about and... We are still working off the whole global pandemic thing. But Marty, we gotta do something about the kids! My name is Kevin. Uh, of course, Marty, but, but the kids, we gotta go back! So it looks like we will first have to help Annie, Wendy, Crutchy, and Oliver, and the Vine Trap family kids. It's a Vine Trap! Until then, our podcast resumes with Annie. Just a little patience until Annie joins your feed. Subscribe today, folks, and thank you for joining. Thank you, folks. The world is full of a number of things. I know we should all be as knowledgeable as, but are we? No, definitely no, positively no, decidedly no, mm-mm. Green people have reusable faces, and red people have angry faces. Blue people have sad faces, and some people have no faces at all. 
And in the words of the immortal cancelled creative, Ferdinand Joseph Lamont, as he begged to have more than just his influence allowed in Hollywood. On the screen and the stage, musicals give us our story gauge. You want to be in the No Little One? Well, Chris and Kevin bring you plenty of fun. We'll go down rabbit holes, filling hearts with ideas for your soul. And fa la 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 la, and then we talk musicals. And fa la 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 la, and then we talk history. We hope our little podcast frees you from misery. Talking about musicals and history. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.